and welcome to the next episode of the podcast. A cannabis podcast for budding enthusiasts. This episode was brought to you by 420 Australia. For all your clothing and lifestyle needs. As well as Mad Farmer Genetics, your go-to purple cannabis breeder. On this episode, we're joined by the Mad Farmer to talk about all things Purple Urkel, some of his strains, as well as some of his future breeding plans. Alrighty, so I'd like to welcome Mad Farmer onto this episode. Thanks so much for taking the time to join me. Oh, no problem. So, Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Um, so, let's go back to the start. So, how did you get into weed? You know, um, I think I know the answer to this one, but, you know, was it, was it a friend influencing you? Was it more of a family thing? And, and what were some of the strains that were around when you first started smoking? Ah, well, I've been in it, I've been in it as long as I can remember. Um, I was born into it. Uh, it was something my mom and dad um, had always done. My whole family... Um, all my dad's brothers, uh, sister, they, you know, they all smoked. It wasn't something that they hid from us. It was something back in the day that we knew not to, to talk about with others. Um, but it was a family affair and, um, my parents were honest with us about it back then. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't uh, called medicine. It, it was it was basically called getting high. Uh, but we knew it as what we knew it. And, um, you know, the 70s were kind of a different generation. And I grew up in, in the 70s and 80s. And um, being around it, uh, it was a different experience. My brother and I both uh, kind of stayed on the path if you will i kind of deviated from the path for a few years um because i went to school and tried to go mainstream with things but it wasn't my passion and i could tell i wasn't happy doing um mainstream work and the nine to five that most people most people do and um uh, plus, I, I was diagnosed when I was 24 with SLE, and so that kind of changed my life forever. And I went back to my roots because I knew the benefits. At that point, it had become more of a of a topic about the the, the medical aspect of cannabis, and I was taking so many different medications that. Um, Everything would make me nauseous all the time. I couldn't keep food down. Um, uh, it was just, I felt sick all the time. And um, there were certain strains that really, really were beneficial. And finding certain strains sometimes weren't as easy, even in the circles that I have. Um, it wasn't the easiest thing to find certain strains. And so I decided, my wife and I, after long discussion, um, we we sat down and um, we just decided, you know what, I'm going to leave my job. I couldn't do anymore. I had become addicted to uh, big pharma's 
wonderful narcotics and it was just it was killing me my kidneys were uh shutting down my liver wasn't working properly it was down to 20 percent um and i couldn't do that we had a we had a, a daughter on the way and um it just uh it was a time it was a time that we needed to make a decision and when I look back now, it was the best decision I ever made. Um, and I, I have my dad to thank for that because it was him that, you know, really, really showed us what, what, what pot was about. Even before it was the medicinal factor, it was a way of life. And, um, I, I, that was the reason that was the reason I was, was born into the family that I was born into. This is, this is something that's, I like an, when, when, when an artist paints and then he says that when he's doing it, it's just something that he loves. It's, it's, it, it's an expression of himself. And that's how I feel about what we do is when I'm with the plants, I just feel they're an extension of who I am and, I express myself through the plants. What a what a kind of you know a powerful recount of how you got into this you know so thanks for sharing that. Um, oh no, it's amazing. It, it you look back at it now and you think everything was meant to happen the way it happened, and I'm 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 just a firm believer in in that. Uh, it's because things that have happened um, with. A cannabis and without cannabis have all led me back to cannabis and um, I just know that that was the start and I think that's why that's my what one of my um, you know uh, clearest recollections is the fact that it was meant to be and that's why I remember it being only five years old and um, just having that thought I mean I it's it's like a picture in my mind. I can yeah. see it. I can smell it. I mean, it was a ginormous um, outdoor Cali skunk plant. And I mean, it, it, the entire house, I mean, every, everything smelled like my dad had just brought a skunk into the house. And I, it's a vivid, pungent, pungent memory in my head. Nice. So, so it sounds like the whole family was growing kind of the whole time you were growing up. At what point did you decide to transition from grower to breeder? Or maybe more, should I say, back in those days, was there the distinction? Were people just farmers and a lot of people made their own seed for the following season? Or, you know, was there still a, a, a somewhat clear distinction as there is today between, say, growers and breeders? And if so, when did you decide to make the transition? Well, as, as far as it was back then, um, there was no coin term of a breeder. When my dad, um, and, and, and I won't, I won't say his name, but my dad had a best friend. Um, and between those two, um, they were the best growers. They were doing things back then. Um, and this is in the, uh, mid to late seventies that people are just now starting to do now with the no-till experience. Um, that it's, it was kind of, when I look back now, it's mind boggling, but, when uh, they needed to, to continue the lines that they had, it would be a, a male that they would have 
from the same lines that they that they had and they would have one and it would pollinate you know the surrounding plants and then uh that would be the seeds that they would continue on you figured they would do one pollination and they would have enough seeds for years of of uh of grows and so there was no coin term of breeders back then it was just uh farming and and they were farming uh cannabis um and as far as for me getting into the actual art of breeding it was specifically for my uh my medicinal benefit i wanted to i wanted to create strains that were going to help me uh with my the symptoms of my lupus my sle and that's what uh, led me down the road of, of, of doing it, of, of getting into it, because there were certain lines that were more beneficial for me. And that's the reason why I am so heavily involved with, with Purple Pot is because of the, the medicinal benefits that it, uh, it offers um, me for my particular disease. So that was the reason that I got back into breeding and then it became um, as much of a passion as actually growing and it was something that I just absolutely fell in love with and uh, it just grew from there it just blossomed from there yeah so on that same idea I was actually wondering do you think that it's possible to predictively breed a strain for a specific need. So, we hear, you know, certain strains are good for, say, IBS, or, you know, in your case, you just mentioned, you know, certain strains are good for your SLE. Um, Do you think that you could say, I'm going to cross this strain with this strain, and I predict that it will be good for Crohn's or something based on the parent's lineage, maybe, or something like that? Or do you think, like, nah, it's, it's not a really a predictable thing. It just turns out certain strains are good for certain things, but I doubt we'll ever be able to predict it. Oh, no, absolutely. Um, absolutely. I, I, uh, uh, for, for me, um, I th- the two strains that come to mind that uh, I have personally found the most medicinal benefits from are lavender and purple urkel. Um, they just have a quality about them that uh, it, it, with nausea, for instance, and that's been my biggest issue is the nausea and the stomach, uh, the, the cramping and the, the, the pain with the IBS and the Crohn's. Um, because I've had 13 surgeries, so it's been a rough, rough road. And the idea of taking medications and everything um so uh, the lavender and the purple urkel i can pick them up and though i've been smoking them for so many years i don't uh, uh get stoned on them per se anymore i mean i'll have a nice little uh relaxing buzz but i don't really uh smoke those to to you know to really get high i i smoke those for a purpose and I don't really go anywhere without them. Um, but I can take either one of those and I can work those. And uh, the progeny from those uh, 
80%, I would say, of the time are going to carry the same benefit as as the mom. As long as your male selection is proper um, and you're staying either within the line or as close to the line as you can, you're going to carry that trait. And uh, that's the reason why I, I had stayed within those lines. But for me, the, I, I cannot be without those those two strings. And I've had those two strings um, for over 16 years now. Oh, wow. So I was actually going to say, um, yeah, I read online that you, the Urkel cut has been in your family's possession for over 25 years. That's really impressive, um, if it is true. Um, how, how did you get the Urkel cut? And, um, you know, if you did know kind of a bit about its history that you wouldn't mind sharing, you know, it's one of those strains where people speculate about the genetics, but, you know, it's kind of hard to know what's true. <laughs> um, well, it's not been 25 years that we've had it. Um, it would probably be closer to uh, 19, around 19, maybe, maybe 20. Um, still impressive. Yeah, well, it's anytime you can keep a plant that's designed to have one season, it flowers and it's done alive for that long, you've done something right. And we have we have quite a few moms that we've had for 10 plus years, 12 plus years, but my babies have been with us for the longest time. And um, uh, we, we've kept them alive. Uh, Urkel is a... She she has a mystique. It, it's 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 just what she is. Um, and the, the the true the true identity behind Purple Urkel truly truly isn't known. And the reason is is because the name game wasn't this huge. Oh, I have uh, I have this line or I have this line. It was. You know, we had Sinsamia. You either had seedless or you didn't. And my family was known for producing the best seedless marijuana that most people had ever had ever seen. So um, it, there wasn't a name game. So back then, um, you know, a lot of the the land race uh, the land race crossings were starting to come because you had. South American weed that was really in into into parts of California, especially in the Central Valley, having really long summers that you could carry all the way into November. Um, so you were able to flower, you know, indoor strains that would be 19 or 20 weekers um, with a little assistance and help. You could push them to full term. Um, and you know, a lot of the, especially with my dad, he really liked the, uh, the, the speedy weed, the ampy weed, if you will. And the only thing that he didn't really care for was the really long growing seasons. And that's when a lot of the, uh, the Hindu Kush was starting to make its way over, um, over here. Um, and then you had the, uh, the Afghanistan and Russian conflict and well, my dad had friends in the Peace Corps that were bringing um, seeds back from from um, from different areas and that's when a lot of the the real true land race hybrids were being started you had uh, pure sativa lines for the first time um, being pollinated by super short 
you know, stocky, wide indica plants that a lot of people had never even uh, seen before, and they were they were using them in in what we have coined breeding projects now, and um, that's you know that's where a lot of it got started was 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 back then. But with Urkel, there was no name, you know, so. Um, I, that's that's the biggest reason that there's the the big question mark uh, as to the lineage because when it was created um, there just wasn't a lot of names. Um, I think um, one one of the lines had ended up down the road becoming one of the Northern Lights by tie crosses. I want to say that it was uh, uh, the Mel side that was the the indica the indica side of things on the urkel and it just it wasn't um you know it just wasn't a conversation it would always be about the plant for the plant with the plant um and it was it was a uh, trait expressions that's what you were looking for that was the biggest thing it wasn't so much in the name and that's why when people ask me hey why don't your crosses carry names Certain ones do, and they carry their names after the fact that they've been grown because it's a name that you can actually see in the plant. You, you know, this one was called this because this is what she smelled like. That's what she looked like, tasted like. Um, that was the name, and, and I tell people not to get caught up in the name because it's meaningless. Um, and so it was... Uh, it was about the traits, about the expressions of the plant, you know. It's just the idea that, you know, this one was done by the end of September. And and this one over here, we were carrying into the middle of November and probably could have given her an extra two weeks. And the idea of putting them together just made a whole lot of sense. And um, that's how it got started. And then the, the hybrid craze really got started. And then... You had uh, old school skunk lines that, um, you know, were powerful and, and uh, you know, supercharged uh, sativa lines. And now you had uh, indica lines that were, that had the same tear profiles, the same expressions, the same smells, but they, they looked completely different. And you would always try and find, um, Things that that in your head you could just put them together. You could actually see them being well matched together. And with Urkel, um, there was a lot of Northern Lights. Well, what ended up being coined as Northern Lights um, and Thai going around a lot of Thai. And those two ended up having a party, and then they became a single line and. Um, that's also when you started seeing a lot of color, a lot of the Afghans that were, that were coming over, um, were, were turning black about, uh, the final month of flower, um, temperatures had a lot to do with it, but, um, you just didn't see a whole, whole lot of it at the time. And once we started to see, well, we, I have more of my dad and, and crew, but once they started to see those expressions, it was just a whole different realm of weed that, you know, they were now getting to experience. And 
uh, it was a no-brainer working with it for them. And then that's when you started seeing the purple lines really start to pop up. Um, the sativa dominant purple lines from the hybrids, um, the, the indica dominant purple lines, um, and purple Urkel was a, a, a product of that. She just was something that was really, really special. Yeah. So just kind of going back to a point you made a few minutes ago about, um, some hybrids in relation to Urkel, um, you know, it's kind of has a bit of a, a bigger underlying question, but, you know, how do you think Urkel has managed to stay within kind of the mainstream of weed culture, or at least kind of always peripherally um, present? And by that, I mean, like, to me, Granddaddy Purple is one of those strains where it's good, you know, like, I don't mind it. But I always, like, have to remind people, like, you know, the, the speculated genetics are Urkel cross Big Bud. So, you know, yeah. like, if, if you look at Big Bud, we know what its job is. So, yeah. so the extrapolation would be that, oh, Urkel is going to be like the connoisseur granddaddy purple. So, A, is that true? And why do you think Urkel has managed to stay kind of present in mainstream culture? Because it is one of those ones that it's always popping up, but it's never the flavor of the month, so to speak. Yeah. Um, well, with Urkel, I think there's there's three reasons. Um you have the mysterious factor. Everybody wants to know what exactly it is. Um, two, it is an amazingly gorgeous plant to, to grow. Um, just everybody complains that grows her that she's a slow vegger and she can be a slow vegger. Um, I grow a lot of pot that's uh, extremely painful, painfully slow, uh, in veg and, um, <laughs> The third, I think, would be um, her intoxicating uh, smell and, for me, uh, her taste. Um, Because the true Urkel cut, the actual Urkel cut is a hazy, uh, smoky, if you will, um, grape flavor that is very unique. um, And it's... uh, it's one of those things that really goes well with food. Um, I think a lot of people make the relation to cannabis and food. And I think you put those three factors together. And I just think that uh, she's just carried carried on that way. Um, everybody, everybody, every, everywhere I go um, with, with friends, um, you know, I, I don't go around advertising who I am. I'm a very recluse individual. I'm probably one of the most recluse individuals that you know. Um, but the circle of friends that I have, even the same guys will ask me, you know, what what do you think it is? What do you think? It, we just had this conversation three weeks ago. What do you mean? What do I think it is? Um, and I think it's the, the mysterious factor um, and just that, that just gorgeous gorgeous plant when she flowers um i i I just think that's what it is it's uh for me um obviously i've already stated that it was the medicinal factor that that she serves for me but um she's just one of the most beautiful plants uh to, to to flower out and um and i i won't be without her i'll i'll have her it'll be something that um you know, when it's my time to go, I'll, I'll turn over to my 
to my my child and and um you know explain which she already knows that it's what you know i've always been honest with her and uh, she knows what certain things mean to me and how special they are. Well, obviously, plus my wife. Um, and they know there are certain things that, uh, like your name, um, you, you want to carry on. You want to do everything you possibly can uh, to continue on. And that'll be something that I turn over to them. And then, and I'll make it clear that, you know, keep her around as long as you can. And when you're tired of her, pass her to somebody um, that will do the same thing and um that's just what it is for me of course i can't speak for everybody else but even if she didn't have the the medicinal effect for me that she does it would still be one of those plants that i i i keep around um just because she's that unique she uh she works well with others um and it's all about her expressions. She's just, let's put it this way. She's intoxicating to the eyes. She's intoxicating to the nose. And she's intoxicating on your taste buds. And when uh, your body is into something that much with that many of your senses, it's a no-brainer. And that that's why she stays with us. And yeah. I think maybe that's why it is something that is so highly sought after by others is those three factors is the, the, the fact that it is a mysterious strain. Um, but besides that, it's just, she's gorgeous and, uh, she's, it, it's explosive with flavor. Yeah. So, um, just to move on to some of your strains, cause I actually wanted to highlight some of your strains for people listening. So the first one, what I think is maybe kind of, um, you know, your hallmark strain away, um, the Tripoli Wicked. Yeah. Um, you know, this one is obviously made from the lavender, which we mentioned earlier, as well as yes, sir. Uh, what you said is the, the male side of the purple opal. So I think you mentioned that was the what eventually became the Northern Lights. Yes, sir. Northern Lights by Thai. Yeah, so so how would you describe this strain to someone and why, you know, like from, from what I can see, it looks like the one you've kind of worked the most with. Um, why did you so decide to work with it so extensively? And, you know, and yeah, and how, what would be your kind of sales pitch to someone, you know? Well, with the Tripoli Wicked, first let me say that I refer to her a lot as T-Dub. Um, a lot of people, especially here on the West Coast, when they hear the term, term T-dub, they automatically assume train wreck. And uh, <laughs> it's not. When I'm referring to, I don't like T-dub, I don't like train wreck. It's not, it's not my cup of tea. She's a bitch to work with, um, very unstable. Um, the buzz isn't that unique. Uh, she, she just grows erratic. She stretches. Um so she just wasn't my cup of tea. Like, I'm not a real big OG fan either. Um, but that's when you hear me refer to T-Dub, it will never be Trainwreck. It will always be Tripoli Wicked. Um, that I get asked that question a lot, so I wanted to, to clarify that. Um, yeah, no worries. Uh, T-Dub is... Uh, oh, she's, she's a, a very special very special strain um 
the mail that we got was uh, actually when my dad had passed away, a family friend, um, which the friendship unfortunately has kind of degraded because of the popularity that was gained um, by the three strains that we used to create with the mill that we were blessed with was uh, it was in honor of my dad um, because my dad had a love for purple pot and originally it was going to be the lavender and the urkel and the mill was noted as triple E um, when we're working with strains usually they'll be documented as a letter and a number um, depending where they are in the garden um, it's just easier to track them with uh, with letters and numbers because of the rows and the placement. And so uh, we went ahead and labeled said mill as um, Tripoli. E. It was a uh, kind of an heirloom line, and it was from the, the, the male side of the, the responsible party for creating the Urkel. And it is uh, a very heavy Northern Lights, leaning Northern Lights um, by tie hybrid line that uh, really expressive. Uh, it carried a heavy, 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 which we didn't know at the time, had no clue, uh, a citrus ter profile. And when I say citrus, I guess I should just say tangerines because it literally smelled uh, most of the, the, the plants, even the mills on the stem rub, you could smell it, would just the, three or four weeks into flower would uh, start to smell as if you were peeling a really, really sweet tangerine. And um, we didn't expect that at all. And so we got the mill, which uh, was triple E. It was in honor of, uh, of, my, of my dad. We wanted to do something that was going to be unique, something that had, had to, to my knowledge, had not been done. Um, and we, we were blessed with the mail. Um, and so we went ahead with it, and we used him to pollinate our, um, our lavender, which became triply wicked uh, in honor of my father, uh, our purple Urkel, which became Purple Jackie, again, in honor of my father. And then those were the two we were, we were going to use um, in the beginning. And then it was a last-minute decision that we threw in our SEDC. Um, that one really wasn't specific for my dad. She's probably been with us out of all our elite mothers. She's been with us the, the least amount of time. I think we've had her for around uh, 11 11 maybe close to 12 years now um and we we put her in late and she became the triple deep crippler and um we it ended up becoming just the things that end up happening um that you can't control and how a person is going to react you you know you can't control and it became such an issue that we ended up just killing the one male that I to this day wish I would have just rode out the turmoil and and kept kept the male itself because he was the most expressive male uh, 
speaking on on um, terps terp profiles um, the most expressive male that I've ever worked with and we ended up killing him just to you know kind of try and keep a, a relationship a friendship um, which ended up failing anyway and so we uh, did away with him and we decided to carry on with the, the three. Um, we kept to our end of the bargain. We didn't do anything more. Um, and we had the three lines, the T-Dub, the, the PJ, and the TDC. And um, just the, the Triple E was so dominant, so amazing. And now that I look back and, and I've, I've grown literally probably a thousand of of these, the the three that we created, I have um, seen how predictable of a male doesn't matter the female, um, how predictable he's going to be. And anytime you can find a male that is predictable in what he's going to do, it makes your job easy because you know what to expect. And um, Triple E was that male, and. Um, the reason that you hear the most right now about the T-Dub is because when we work a line, we don't just create the line and then, you know, put it out there and then move on to the next. We create the line. We work from within the line um, because I just feel that you now know that line. You, you now know what she's capable what she's capable of doing. Um, uh, the predictability factor um, there's just so much about her that you now know why do you want to just jump into something else that's an unknown um, so we continued on for a while a few years with the, the T-Dub and that's why you continue to hear about the T-Dub but um, we're now moving into the PJ aspect, the purple Jackie, and it is the same. It's the triple email, uh, but instead of the lavender mom, it's the Urkel mom, and it's <laughs> it's probably more expressive with the Urkel than he was with the lavender, and that one, oh, wow. uh, it, it's going to raise some eyebrows, I think, um, because, again, it's uh, high citrus expressions, in the terps, um, the the buds are a little more uh, chunky, if you will. The the calyxes are a little more swollen, a little larger. The hairs uh, are a little brighter orange. They just stand out a little bit more. Um, the 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 potency factor is right there with the T dub. Um, that was the reason why too with the the T dub we stayed with it for so long. Um, because it had amazing medicinal effects, um, but she just was a little bit light in in the power aspect, and and I just felt I could I could bring that out a little bit better. And so we we just played with the line for a long time, um, enjoyed it thoroughly, and created many hybrid lines with uh, with the T Dub. Um, but in the meantime, we were working with the TDC. And the PJ, just not, you know, openly and, and dumping them on, on whoever. Um, we, 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 like I said, we like to stick with a single project. 
as far as our focal point, but we always have uh, at least one, most of the time, two other projects that we're, we're kind of doing in, in the background. And um, T-Dub was just the first one from um, the what we did for my dad was the first one that um, that we brought mainstream and that we we allowed to to you know to come out to the masses. So um, you much like uh, one of my favorite breeders, Dynasty, appear to work in uh, kind of a a methodical way in that uh, what you do is you've got kind of your pool of base strains and in your case it's kind of the Clementine the T-Dub uh, the Urkel and the Space Queen a few others um, and, and you kind of mix and match your flavors from there and I like this approach because I mean for one that Clementine I mentioned isn't the DNA Clementine it's a different one it's one you made so a lot of those are actually your own strains yes sir um, so it seems to me like you've made a lot of the possible combinations there are. So, my my immediate thought was, what's Mad Farmer's next move? Are you going to bring some new genetics in and then make some new combinations with that or maybe refine some of the old genetics by, you know, I know that you took the T-Dub to the F2, you know, maybe do that with some other strains and then begin reworking from there or what's your plan? Well, like I said... Um you know, here with us, it's about what, first and foremost, what my preference is as a smoking material. So I'll always go um, with that first and foremost. Um, I've never been one to uh, breed with the cut of the month strains. Like <clears throat> a lot of people will get what's popular. You have the cookies and the, the GG4 and now uh, archive has come out with a dosi do and those are all amazing in their own right and i would never ever uh try to dick somebody and say hey you know you're working with shit or you know you created shit um never because that's somebody's passion and i'd never do that whatsoever um my point is simple i'm not a cut of the month breeder um i am really methodical um it's kind of OCD, and so when I'm on something, I stay on something until I'm completely satisfied with it, and then uh, I'll move on. Um, but what's coming next is the is the PJ, and you'll see uh, yeah, PJ hybrids. The 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 male that we have that we're working with was chosen. Oh my! Over three seasons, I think it was three seasons that we we took to find um, a lot of testing. The, yes, yes, sir. A lot, a lot of testing. I mean, when you have a field of just males, it's you know, it's it's just like growing females. You're looking for specifics. You're smelling for specifics. Um, you're documenting flower times. Um, People ask me, "Do you really smoke them?" Yes, I do. Um, I, I don't. Uh, <laughs> I don't really enjoy it. Uh, but some of the males you can actually get. You can get a bit of a buzz on. I, I've had uh, like with our PJ, I have males that'll produce resin, um, good amounts of resin to the point to where uh, you can turn them into a concentrate. I mean, you 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 can actually extract 
I mean, your, your percentages aren't going to be anything close to what you're going to get with a female flower. Um, but it is, it's there. It, it, it's a possibility. And you can't just say, well, this line produced this smell, so this smell looks like he's got everything I'm looking for. For me, that's not good enough. Uh, my brain doesn't work like that. Um, for me, I, I, I have to see him. I have to touch him. I have to smell him. I have to smoke him. I have to know what he's going to give me. Um, and uh, with our PJ, it's it's everything that I wanted from my PJ male. He has the the blood red pedials. Um, he has that citrus funk on the stem rub. Um, he has the quicker flowering time. He has the the little bit further node spacing. Um, he has that gorgeous double serrated leaf edge um it's just everything about him his pollen sacs are vivid uh violet um and let's put it this way you put him in a field of 25 other males and he's going to be the one that stands out he's going to be the one that screams here i am choose me um and and typically we don't ever you know post pictures of our males or show our males but he has impressed us so much that I've actually posted a couple of pictures of him um, just because he's caught my fancy. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if, uh, I've, if I've had a male that has, has excited me as much as, as this PJ male. Um, and that's where we're going to go. We're going to work the PJ line. Uh, we're going to F, F2 the line first and foremost to bring out the, uh, the F2s. And then... Um, We'll take him to, you know, to what we consider our elite mothers, our, um, you know, our brood. And um, then we'll start to introduce him to, uh, you know, like our heirloom Clementine. Um, we don't ever bring in outside cuts. Um, for one, it's, it's kind of a bad practice because... It's uh, a, a sanitary issue. Even the most clean gardens can carry uh, hitchhikers that are unknown. Um, you know, you can go down to your damn grow shop and bring home hitchhikers because there's so many uh, farmers in and out of the shop that they, you know, a spider mite will follow him, you know, be on his shoes or pants and end up jumping onto a product that you bring home. So, uh, and yeah, you can quarantine and, you know, there's plenty of methods to eradicate anything possible that you can bring in. Um, but again, we're really recluse. Um, our social circle is small. Um, and we just, we don't bring in a lot of outside cuts. And if you look back just in the last three years at, at uh, what popular cannabis um, strains uh, you've had, yeah, a lot of them come and go, you know, here in California, you go back just a few years and you had lines like uh, uh, Snowcap and Trainwreck and, you know, a lot of the lines, they come and go. Uh, cookies has seemed to have stuck around for a while, but even cookies now is kind of starting to uh, expand out into hybrids. You know, everybody now has cookie hybrids where before it was just straight cookies. Everybody wanted cookies. GG4 now you're seeing in a lot of hybrids and I'm just I'm old school I guess um it's not that I don't dig those strains it's just that 
when it comes to my work, to, to what I'm doing, to what my vision is. Um, I don't know enough about those lines to feel confident when I bring them in that I'm going to create something that the growers are going to get and say, damn, you know, that's all I want. I, 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 I want to know what I'm working with. And I want to know the ins and outs. I don't just want to know its name and what it smells like and what it looks like and tastes like. I want to know what it's doing on week six on an indoor flower run. I want to know what it's doing in September on an outdoor flower run. Um, I want to know, uh, you know, how big is she going to get in an outdoor patch? How is she going to do on organics? How is she going to do on synthetics? I, I, I want to know these things. And there's only one way to do it. And it just takes time and a lot of people uh bite me for uh you know only having what seems to be a small set of lines that we work it's not because i don't have access or i can't acquire i I can get i get whatever i want um it's just the fact that this is how my brain works this is um this is my commitment i'm a lot like my dad in that sense i know what i like um, and that's for my personal consumption. And then when I'm working with something, it needs to be more than what I like. I need to know, like I said, what she's going to do in September on an outdoor run on synthetic nutrients. I need to know what she's going to do in September outdoor on organic nutrients. And, um, yeah, that's, that's just how we are. So it seems like we're, we're really simplified in, in, in what we're doing, but in reality, it's not simplified at all. There's a lot going on that most people will never know, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, a quick little caveat I would chuck in there is that um, f- from my experience, from talking to people and just personally, breeders like yourself and other people who do have that kind of limited base and mix and match, they tend to be able to give by far the most accurate descriptions of their strains. So... You know, I think that kind of speaks for itself in a lot of ways. But anyway, moving on. So, are you organic or synthetic? And and you just mentioned before that you might consider taking the purple jackies to the F two. Um, yes. Would you Would you ever consider doing a cubing process, or do you think nah, doing back crossings not so much what I'm looking to do? What yeah, yeah. what what makes F2s an ideal thing for you? You know, do you aim to refine characteristics in that process or, you know, like why choose the F2 over, say, a BX? Um, No, with a PJ, we are, we're going to cube. Um, I want to get uh, as close to the Urkel in seed form as I can. I want the growers to get a 10-pack of seeds and have seven of them come out um, damn near spitting images of purple Urkel. Um, and that's our goal in the PJ is I just feel, and I, and this is no slight on lavender. Um, I probably should have done it with her. Uh, but there's just so many other things moving with her that we just didn't get around to that. But one of our biggest goals with the PJ is to cube her. Um, I want to see Urkel dominance. I want people to be able to experience, you know, the true Urkel um, in in its its form, not not some S one, uh, not some oh this is in quotation marks purple Urkel that we got from the club. That's bullshit. It's some purple strain that you can clearly when I 
I don't know how many times I'll be thumbing through pictures and this guy will say, yeah, this is my Urkel cut. And I'm like, that, that's not even close to purple Urkel. <laughs> I mean, you know, and it's just, I feel bad. I, I do. I feel really bad. And it just drives me to, to produce some seed that is going to show people what the purple Urkel is, is truly all about. And, and the PJs, that's, that's where we're going to go. We're going to do, um, F2 line. We're going to do, uh, some hybrids. Um, but for me, which is the most important factor is I'm, I'm going to bring it full circle. I'm, I'm going to draw the Urkel out. Um, and, and it'll be cubed. It will be, uh, 75% or higher. Um, Urkel dominant in every female, um, or I won't be satisfied, and that is definitely our goal. With with that, um, there'll be other projects that we do with it, but the goal with the PJ is is to allow people to experience true uh, in every way purple Urkel, um, and it's exciting for me uh, because, like I said, I see people who. You know, they, they really do. They, they, they invest a lot of their time and money and, and, and they've, they've, they've been shammed and, and you'll see their pictures and they're so excited. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be the one that breaks their heart and, and just is, pulls the dick move and tells them, dude, you're not, you're not growing purple, purple bud. You're growing, you know, I don't know what you're growing, but it's not Urkel. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Um, but it does. It pisses me off to see that because it just tells me how many people are out there that are just doing it to, to turn a dime. And it just, you know, it bothers me. This isn't what it's about. It's everything, especially in this industry, if you look around, everything is about the almighty dollar again. And you know, money's great. Money's great. Um, I, I wish I had more of it. But that's that's not what it's about for me. It's it's about producing the best cannabis that I can possibly produce, um, and putting smile on uh, smiles on growers' faces. I want them to repeat our name. I want them to tell their friends, "Have you grown any of this guy's stuff?" Um, no. Well, then look, I'm going to get you a pack because that's how you know that's how strongly I feel about about his lines. Is is they're they are what they say they are. When he gives you information on, um, you know, uh, his, the packaging or, or whatever, when he tells you this is what you can expect, that's what you can expect. Um, the, you know, it's, it, it, like I said, it just pisses me off to see so many people that think they're growing the actual Urkel cut, and it's it's not. And we're gonna cube the PJ. Um, we're going to bring out the Urkel and that's, oh God, and that's the best thing about her is from the get go, just the, the initial females that we were running from the initial cross of the, uh, the Urkel and the purple Jackie. I mean, you're already seeing extremely Urkel Dom Finos regularly without even trying, um, just the expressions and it's exciting. It's really exciting to see, you know, something coming to fruition and I can't, once I get to that that fourth um, cross, I can't imagine what what we're gonna see. I I don't even expect it to have to be cubed. Um, I don't think I it'll have to go that far. I I truly think 
um, you know, we'll 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 uh, we'll search our initial F1s um, for the brother and sister that represents it well enough, and and then our back cross uh, with our Urkel, the selection process. I believe by the third time through, you're gonna see full Urkel dominance in in the seed and and. Uh, you know, not that we won't take it to the to the fourth. I can't say that at this point, but um, I'm absolutely 100% positive what you're going to see from from the PJ uh, hybrid, uh, the PJ Urkel hybrids is going to be very, very, very Urkel, very Urkel dominant, and uh, that's the goal. That yeah. you know, that's the goal. Um, as far as the, do I grow synthetic? Do I grow Organic? Uh, yes. <laughs> we have to. Um, we do use synthetics. Uh, my, my personal head stash is organic. Um, I, I do believe in a very clean uh, pot. I, I, I want nothing but white ash. Um, I, I don't want any you know pesticides. I don't want any bullshit in my pot. Um, for one, I do have lupus. And I have to be very specific in what I intake, ingest, um, breathe. So uh, my head stash is organic. But to be fair to the growers, I have to grow with synthetics as well because you're still over half of your growers, you know, uh, are using synthetic nutrients. And you'd be amazed at how many people I still come across that, that will come up and send me an email or a message and they'll say, Hey, you know, my plant's doing this and, and I don't know why I'm only four weeks in the flower. And the first question I ask is, okay, well tell me a little bit about what you're using. And the first thing they'll say is, well, you know, um, my miracle grow, it just, it, I'm feeding it as the bottle label and I'm it real. Are you fucking with me? You're, you're seriously, you're serious, and and I can't be an ass about it because these, you know, these growers, they're 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 really they're trying, they're committed, and they don't know any better. And this day and age, I'm surprised with uh, with the way everybody knows Monsanto as much as they do. The people that are still growing with the bullshit, and uh, you know, so I do. I have to use synthetics, and I have to. I guess I, I shouldn't say I have to, um, but in my brain, the way my brain works, uh, to be fair to everybody and and to to give them a product that I'm I'm confident in, I I do I I have to grow synthetically and I have to be able to say, um, you know, how they're going to perform with synthetics with organics, um, outdoors, indoors, light depth, greenhouse. Um, you know, it's it's just if if your goal is to produce the best and and uh, you know be confident in it, that's that that that's all part of the game. Yeah, yeah, it completely makes sense. So, um, in terms of your strains, you use a really good descriptive and categorical way of describing them to customers. You know, you list things such as the number of phenotypes and what to expect from each phenotype, as well as, you know, your standard flowering times and rough stretch values and things like that. Um, there are a few other breeders who use this same general layer, and it's really good. 
do you think this type of information is it's not only like just a service to the customer by giving them more information, but it's also almost mandatory these days because in a way you're showing people that you've grown out the seeds, you've you've taken note of all these traits because something which seems to come up more and more is like this idea of like, you know, I don't know if I should call them breeders, but, you know, quote, breeders who make seeds and like they don't even test them and they're just like straight to market. So, like, uh, in, yeah. in a way, you're indicating that like, no, nah, that's not me, you know, like I've done the testing, I've done what I need to do or... In your opinion, is it not so much that it's it's more just like for the customer's benefit? Oh, it's totally for the customer's benefit. Um, I want to know, uh, you know, because a lot of people, they don't have, uh, you know, 5,000 square feet of space to work with. Uh, most growers have a tent. Most growers have a corner in a bedroom uh, or a crawl space in an attic. Um You've got growers that have five-foot ceilings, um, and so you need to be able to tell them this is not the strain for you. And the only way that you can do that is by having grown the lines yourself. And it pisses me off to no end to see these guys. And I'm again, I don't do the whole. I'm going to call this guy out. Um, it's it's usually it's it's the bigger outfit that uh, they run the pollination, they process their seeds, uh, they cure them, they're in the package, and they're out to market. There's no testing. You know, where's, where's your viability rates? Um, you know, what, what percent of the parent lines are going to show? Uh, what's your male-to-female ratio? They can't tell you. I mean, they'll, they'll make some shit up. Yeah, of course. And they'll put some wording on a package because it looks good. But the fact of the matter is they're not testing their own products out. Um, and I think it's bullshit. I, 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 it's, it irks me tremendously because, again, it comes back to the almighty dollar. And the quicker you can get product to market, the quicker you're getting a paycheck. And I'll go broke and poor doing what I love, um, making sure that the customer knows exactly what they're growing uh, before I ever do that. Uh, I've been doing this for a very long time. I haven't changed my ways. Um, I've not gotten close to being rich financially. Um, I've gotten rich in other ways uh, that uh, most people will never get to experience in their life. I've got to share it with my with my daughter and my wonderful wife of uh, 16 years. Um, and that wealth, to me, is more important than any wealth I can put into my wallet or my bank account. And I want the growers to feel confident in the strains that they're getting. Um, you know, and of course, there's going to be exceptions. It's a plant. You're going to have recessive traits that show up um, from lineage way, way, way gone by. And it's, it's always going to happen. You always have uh, the growers that are like, hey, you know, this plant was supposed to stay short and squat, but it grew a single cola even when I topped it and it was wanting to grow eight, nine feet in my little space. It's, it's going to happen. It will happen. There's no way around it. But I want that to happen as little as possible. And the only way I can assure myself um, of, of that happening is growing out my own product. And that's why it's a slow, tedious task. But anything we create is tested, is tested thoroughly um 
we, I, I want to know what it's going to do in a small space. Um, I want to be able to tell the grower, you know, um, if you're growing uh, with this style, uh, maybe some LST. It works great in the sea of green or in a screen. Um, and the only way to do that is by you actually doing it yourself. And um, I, I, it's, it's a constant testing um, process. And there's a lot of times that I'm growing uh, strains that, you know, that aren't specifically for what I was looking for for my personal use because I'm growing them. I, I feel is it's probably going to kind of kind of sound lame, but I'm growing it for other people. And not in the sense that I, I'm providing to the dispensary. I'm growing so I can tell other people what they can expect from this line or from this line. Um, and I want to be able to make recommendations when when somebody approaches me and, and asks me, okay, this is my circumstance. This is what I'm using. This is this is everything. I, um, and this is what I'm looking for in, in my pot. I want to be able to tell them this one this one or this one will be right up your alley. This is this is going to be what you want for your space, for the way you are growing. You 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 don't want to have an, uh, you know uh, a less experienced grower have to change the their comfortability in growing to suit a plant that it, it's going to be such a pain in the ass that it's going to turn them off for growing for a while. You don't yeah. want them to experience headaches and hassles. You want them to be able to 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 grow in in their realm, in in their their comfortability factor. Um, you want to you want to keep it in there, you know. And uh, that that's the goal is is you can you can produce strains that you know that are potent, that that are very tasty, that yield or. Or, or the specifics that individual growers are looking for. You can produce strains that um, fill the needs of growers, um, and and it, you know, and them not have to adapt to a single plant each time they want to change and grow something else. And a lot of people don't have confidence in seeds because it's a crapshoot. You know, a lot of people prefer to grow uh, cuts uh, because again. Growing from seed can be a crapshoot, so they like to stay with cuts, which, like I said, you bring in cuts from a dispensary, and it has its own different set of, of headaches. <laughs> you got uh, the powdery mildew issues, uh, you know, any kind of fungus or diseases. They don't really, you know, not all. I don't want to lump everybody into a big circle, but a lot of dispensaries, you know, they don't. They don't take the time to, to do what needs to be done. The cuts, they get them in as fast as they can. They get them rooted as fast as they can. And they're getting them out the door as fast as they can. They're there as a business. They're not there to suit the needs, even though that's what they want you to believe. Um, you know, of the person who is sick that is growing their, their medication. I mean, you know, and, and trust me, I know a, a lot of people that I, I do help that, they grow pot because they are sick. They're not growing pot to be stoned. I mean, I'm open for everything. I mean, if you want to smoke weed because you want to, you know, that's your form of relaxation and, and it's like, you know, cracking a cold one. Hey, I'm totally fine with that. I That was me before I got sick. Um, and I, I still consider myself a stoner uh, for other reasons. Um, but most of it now is, is for proper medi medicating. Um and you, you just don't want, they're already dealing with the hassle of life. 
with the circumstances that they're under, you don't want them to have to deal with issues from plants. And growing from clones, uh, you know, it has its own hassle. These people, they get spider mites that are resistant to, to organic pesticides. So then what are they left to do? I mean, it, it's nuclear it's, it's nuclear wartime because if you want to keep the cut or now get your grow room back because you brought in some shisey cuts from such and such dispo, it's the only way to do it. You know, and, and I, it just bothers me because I know this industry could be so much better. There could be so much more compassion in it, and it all revolves around the damn dollar. And it, I don't know, it just it's bothersome to me. That's why we do it different. That's why we always have done it different. We always will do it different. Um, and that's, I just, I, I just want a person to know when they're getting our label, they're getting those 10 seeds, their germination rates are going to be high, and it's going to do what they expect it to do. It's just plain and simple. It's that easy. And the only way it's going to happen is if you yourself are growing them out. And I'm not saying, oh, yeah, we, we tested you tested five of those strains. You tested five. So you yourself didn't even test the whole pack of something you created that you're now selling to the masses. No, we tested 105. You know, I mean, we went through 15 packs of 10 to make sure the consistency was there. You know, how many times did we see a recessive female? How many times did we see the targeted female? How many times did we see, you know, the exact one that everybody is after i mean you document you document you test you grow and and that's that's called knowledge that's that's called knowing your product and that's one thing i am very proud of my wife and i um i i feel that we set ourselves apart from everybody else because though we're not you know trying to work with a hundred different strains we're working with a base and I'm working with that base because I know that base better than anybody knows their base because I've been working with these for years, not for months. Didn't just bring in the uh, cookies and now I'm working with it. Now I'm releasing it to you guys. I've been working with my lines for years. I'm creating hybrids from my lines and I've been working with them for years. I'm selecting specific traits to work into um, hybrid form because I know what those said traits are going to do in hybrid form when grown out and I, I think that's a direct reflection on who we are and uh, what we want for the growing community and yeah. you know that's just how it is okay so um, moving to a bit more of like a, a macro topic for a breeder What's it like for you as kind of, you know, like uh, I hope not to offend you with this, but as kind of a more smaller breeder, um, what's it like to interact with the seed banks? You know, like your gear is out there, but it's not like on Attitude or Seedsman, like, you know, like those ultra big name seed banks. Do you not want to be on there or do you think, oh, it's a bit hard to get noticed by them at times or do you think like, no, I've got, you know, kind of like a niche I'm looking to fill and I feel like I'm kind of doing that at the moment and I don't need to be a part of any of that? Um, oh, God, that's such a large question. Um, well, first, um, I love being known as the, a true mom and pop, if you will, because um, that's how I see us. Um, 
again, for us, it's it's not about the the bulk, the mass of it. It's about the refined uh, search, um, product knowledge, um, and 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 keeping it real. Um, so, to coin the term "mom and pop," it it suits us fine. Um, no, we don't mind being a smaller. Uh, well, we'll say smaller known size wise. I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't say we're small when it comes to the space, but size wise and and um, how we're known. Yes, yes, sir. We are. We are a definite mom and pop. Um, now, as far as the notoriety factor um, and being on uh, the attitude, um, uh, we've attempted to go that route. We've been approached time and time again by the, the big seed outfits. And um, both times that we, we thought we were going in those directions, we did everything we could to stay on the down low um, to, to, to get the seeds into the hands of uh, the bigger, uh, we'll say, UK guys that are going to do the, the distribution or the Spain, uh, the Spanish uh, seed outfits. Um, and both times um, I've, lost, um, I've lost quite a bit um, to them, and it uh, has taught me a lesson. Um, for instance, with one of them that's now defunct, um, I lost 90 packs of, uh, one of our, of our lines. And it's because I put trust in the people because I'm, I'm a trusting person because I know when I tell somebody something, they can trust it 100. And I oftentimes believe that the same with the person that I'm dealing with. And oftentimes it's not. Um, and I've had to learn that lesson the hard way. And so, um, we've done it. And like I said, I've been taken and it's, 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 it's not about, uh, the finances. It's, it's, it's the, it's about just the idea that you were just used. And, um, so right now we, we've kind of moved far enough away that it's not fresh in my mind so um we are open to to you know to giving in a, another try but there there will have to be uh stipulations there's there's uh, there's only one way that we're going to do it now because we've had to learn the lessons and uh, you like i said you put trust into people and it's all lies and uh, you end up finding out later on that it was a big pyramid scheme and somebody is making a shit ton of money off the backs of people that are doing the real work. And uh, it's, you know, that's not kosher with me. And um, it would be very nice to get to get on with, uh, with the right crew, somebody that's going to appreciate us the way we'll appreciate them. You provide me a service and I'm going to go even further out of my way to make sure you're happy because that's how we work. That's how we've always been. Um, we'll provide our own freebies that you can give out. And there's a lot of things that we, we go above and beyond with. Um, yeah. It's just that fear factor of, you know, um, of, of dealing with an asshole who's just out to, to screw you in the end. Yeah, you know that's that's the reason behind that. It's not that 
that we don't want to. That's not that. It's that's not the ultimate goal because absolutely that is. I mean, for the last ten years, it wasn't. My wife wasn't real keen on the idea. Um, for one, um, we didn't want to jump into that pool and and worry about you know is somebody coming for us all the time. Um, <laughs> yeah. And once we moved out of that, and the fear had subsided, and and then it was the now we've gotten screwed by an asshole that was in this for the wrong reasons, and now we're kind of getting over that, and and the idea is is appealing. We're um we're ready to expand the horizon for ourselves. Uh, we're ready to make the label um more known, and that's the goal. Um, is I I myself I'm ready to to put myself out there a little bit more because my daughter is. Uh, She's getting older. She needs to go to college in two years. She's a honor student, straight A's. Never gotten anything less than straight A's. Uh, thank you. That's something else I take great pride in. Um, she's in all um, uh, AP classes, which in the States are um, college, uh, 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 college, basically uh, pre-college courses yeah, for, for the – yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, my wife and I, that's our pride and joy. And uh, she wants to go to Humboldt State. It's going to cost mom and dad about 75 k uh, a year. And I want to fulfill uh, I want to fulfill that for my daughter. Um, you know, I, I, I want her to get uh, her degree. And uh, my plan is for her to come back and run run the company one day, but she's really not interested in that at this point in time. But hey, you know, there's always that chance. And I think if she's wanting to go to Humboldt State, that's a great start. (laughs) So the next question would be, um, what would be your advice to someone who's trying to become a breeder? You know, maybe they've been doing their own thing as a bit of an amateur for a while, but they're ready to try to, you know, step it up. What's your advice? You know, one thing I've heard is, you know, you really need to get a social media presence. What do you think are some things people need to do? Well, and it depends on uh, what what aspect you're looking at. Um, my biggest advice is is somebody who's wanting to to truly get into it is is uh, and know what you're doing, obviously, but know your lines you're working with, know your product, the ins and outs of it. Um, be confident in what you're doing. Um, and then once you you feel confident in in your product, um, then yeah, then and if you're willing and, and that's what you want to do, put yourself out there. Um, go to uh, like here in Cali, we have the Emerald Cup. Um, do meet and greets like we just uh, we just did one in the Bay Area, San Fran. We announced, um, hey, you know, come meet with us. We ended up on the beach. It was cold as hell, um, but uh, great, great people, great times. Um, you know, just put yourself out there and and smile, be friendly. You know, be a good person, uh, and, and and the rest will follow. You know, just it's 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 not so much about the notoriety as it is about your personality and who you are and how you treat people. Cause if you do it right, people are going to like you and, and, and they're going to do the advertising for you. And yeah. you know, that just, just be good to the people that 
that are um, obviously being good and supporting you and and just be who you are and um, don't be a tight ass you know give 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 uh, you know like us we probably still give away oh maybe not so much now but there was a point in time where we were giving away two or three times more seeds than than we were selling seeds um and that's great there's nothing wrong with that um but if you're dependent upon the income <laughs> that that can be a bit of a struggle you know if you're paying for all the postage of everything going out and, and everything and and you're you're covering all the expense then it it, it you know it, it can be a it can it can cost you a bit, but yeah, just uh, go to events, socialize, make it clear what you're doing, um, be able to have uh, full-on conversations where you can be asked any question and and you know the answer, um, know the ins and outs of what uh, your product is, um, and and be be passionate about it. Don't don't get in it for the wrong reason. Don't do it because. You think you're going to get rich and famous. That's wrong to think. You know, you you do it for the love. Um, yeah, you, so. you, you, you know, you do it because that's that's what you love doing. Yeah. So, on that same kind of idea, I've often heard people, you know, um, kind of tote this idea of like, oh, man, it would be so good to be a, a breeder. And I've literally heard this quote like, I would just smoke weed and look after plants all day, you know? So, yeah. Is that like this idealistic description? Like, from what I've seen, breeders seem to work like the longest hours of anyone. Oh. Like, yeah. You oh. want to give us a true picture of what it's like to be a breeder, you know, a day in the life of? It is so not like that. Uh, do I smoke a lot of weed? Yeah. Um, do I get to smoke as much as I want? No. I'm too busy doing other shit. <laughs> to get to constantly stop and medicate. Um, well, let's say you don't have scheduled days off. Um, things are going to come up that you wouldn't ever expect in a million years. Um, your workload's always going to be greater than expected. Or uh, anytime you make plans, you might as well cancel them in advance because it's not going to take place. Um, <laughs> you know, your, your days... Um, they start when they start and they end when they end. There's no, I'm working nine to five today. I go in at nine. I'm, you know, might be home by five thirty. No, you're done when your your task is done and get used to late nights. And I'm not talking ten or eleven. I'm talking three or four in the morning. Uh, we didn't get to sleep last night because obviously of, of plant work because um, we've got plants on different different cycles some are uh, in the dark in the day some are uh in the dark uh, at night so it's it's a constant remembering who's where and uh you know get used to to working on two or three hours of sleep or or doubling up and uh and 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 not having sleep and then uh, this time of the year because it's a harvest season uh, get really used to to being on basically on call because it's it's just what it is it's not uh it's not the lifestyle that people think it is um we actually don't get to go to uh as many harvest festivals or competitions 
uh, that we would like to or get to do things with the, the growers out there that we would love to get to do because we're working. Um, I mean, you know, just to get the, to do the meet and greet that we did last weekend. It took us a month of coordinating and planning. And, 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 and you know, I've got a really good friend, thank God, was able to, to get all of our, our spot arranged and, and help me get the directions and, and the times and everything out there because it's, uh, you know, there's, there's no eight-hour days. It would be nice to have a five-day-a-week. If I could do what I do and have it be a five-day-a-week, 40 hours a week type of thing, oh, my it would be heavenly. It, it's it's not the 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 glamour and the glory that that people tend to think that it is. Especially if you're if you're committed to it. It's transplants. It's watering. It's feeding. It's uh, you know. And then if like I said, running synthetic nutrients, you you're constantly adjusting and checking pHs and. Um, oh my! It's sterilization of containers and drip trays and and cleaning of hoods and and oh, it's I I could write a book yeah. on the workload of of the list of things that that have to be done and social life there is none <laughs> not, not yeah. for not for true breeders you know and and we're not like some of the bigger outfits that have a a crew that that they are able to pay to do to do the the grunt work i mean it's my wife and i we do the grunt work you know and uh, i wouldn't have it any other way this isn't a complaint um it uh it does uh, wear on my body because like i said i do i do have lupus um and uh sometimes it's really bad um i've had 13 surgeries um due to my disease and and sometimes it uh uh, it can be overpowering, and um, uh, and like I said, my wife is the most amazing person uh, I've ever met. Um, she's probably the the hardest worker I've ever known, um, and uh, she's able to do things that I still to this day I, I still get blown away by what she's able to accomplish. Um, she's one of the best growers that I know, um, and. Uh, I'm just very thankful to have uh, a partner in life and a partner in the business that I have, or else this wouldn't be. And I, 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 I'll never complain. Uh, you'll, you'll never not see me smiling or joking. And even when I have a, a hospital visit due to my disease, I'm cracking up with the doctor and the nurses, uh, just because that's that's just kind of to use a, a more modern term. That's how I roll. That's how I roll. <laughs> Yeah, so basically you're saying um, if you just want to smoke weed all day and not do a bunch of hard work, you should probably be a rapper. <laughs> yep, exactly. That's um, the life that you need to lead. Yeah. So um, in the recent kind of six months or so, we've seen a lot of, I mean, it's probably been a bit longer than that, but particularly online, we've seen like this rise in crowd mentality around strains, you know, the big one, you know, the, the big blue dream hate wagon. Um, you know, uh, you know, as a little side note, I always have to remind people like you, like blue dream, like it, it did so much for so many people, like how, like it's just all disregarded in this whole argument. But anyway, um, so with that being said though, like, how do you feel about the crowd mentality, you know, and you kind of alluded to it earlier, you know, like 
as much as Blue Dream gets a negative rap, Cookies gets a positive rap, and GG4 gets a positive rap, and you know, does it does that sit okay with you? And if regardless, you know, do you not feel like maybe in a few years' time we'll see this big, you know, the same hate that's getting on Blue Dream, you know, that's going to be on Girl Scout cookies and there'll be some new thing which everyone's all over at the time. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a perpetually yeah. changing thing. Yeah. Um, well, the the one aspect, we'll, we'll just take cookies, for instance. The one aspect about cookies that Blue Dream didn't have um, well, is the fact that you've got uh, the rapping community that you've got burner um it's it's got a lifestyle i mean you now have uh the cookies fam who they've got an entire clothing line um i mean it's a complete lifestyle so that one i see uh carrying um carrying itself longer term if you will uh than say the blue dream i mean the hype with the blue dream was because it was an amazing strain of cannabis that they might talk shit about now, but, you know, two years ago, that's all anybody was smoking. That's all anybody wanted. That's all anybody was growing. Um, but it didn't have that whole lifestyle. Um, Cookies has done something I, I never would have imagined in, in the cannabis community with the, all the choices that people have and, and everything you it's kind of, uh, like I said, it's a lifestyle. It's influenced its own industry. Um, it's just uh, it, all, all, all off of uh, one, started out as one pot strain. Um, and that, I'd never have seen anything like that. So as far as that one, how will that one carry a year, two years from now? I'm not really sure on that. Uh, I see uh, the GG4. Um, I see that one fading as, you know, maybe the Blue Dream did. I don't even know if that one will will carry as long um, as as the Blue Dream did. For one, GG4 in the outdoor scene here, she's not the yielder that the Blue Dream was. If you look at the Blue Dream from the grow aspect, you could get, um, you know, done right. You could get Primo Pot. Um, and yields that set records you six seven pounds off of outdoor uh, outdoor plants of um you know lower a grade for outdoor weed it's it's uh you consider the scale on just outdoor it's an a grade um but even the dispensaries in the midwest that are bringing in outdoor cali weed and trying to pass it as as indoor it would be a high high b a low a so um, that was one of the reasons that Blue Dream had the, the, the weight that she had because she was an all-around strain. She was a grower's dream. She was a toker's dream. So, you know, she was a dispensary's dream because everybody had it. Um, but it's, it's, it's like with a particular type of, of food. Uh, once everybody has had it and then that's so popular, that's all you can find, it becomes a burden and then nobody wants it. So then it tanks. And that's kind of where, um, you know, the blue dream went. And I kind of see that with the, the GG four, she'll, she'll burn herself out. Um, that's not me knocking these strains. That's just me saying that's how society works when it comes to these strains. Um, and people want uh, variety, you know, people want, uh, 
in the morning they feel like maybe having uh, something that's a bit of a earthy and, and uh, say coffee like um, you know with with their breakfast or with their with their their coffee and in the evening they want something fruity you know so there's there's going to be variety and um, you know there's I, I, I see it being being more like that but again I'm not uh, I don't know I, I'm just not big on the whole uh, the this the strain name game and the cut of the months I mean you look at sherbert and uh, cherry pie and they're all great they're they're all really great um, but just to to gain the notoriety that they do and, and to have people do the things they do to try and acquire it is it's kind of crazy, you know. Yeah. But I, I I see it. Uh, you'll have something else that comes out that takes its place. It's how it's worked, and it's it. You know, it's a cycle, and then yeah. they always cycle in, and they will always cycle out. I the, the like I said, the one I I I I don't know what to expect of is is the cookies, and that's because it's got its own. It's, it's a it's got its own following and 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 its own lifestyle and, and it's almost like because uh, I've been I I've been checked by the whole cookies thing. Why aren't you working with cookies? Why aren't you you know making any cookie hybrids? It's a personal choice. Um, for one, I've never grown uh, cookies. I've never grown the forum. Um, I've never grown any of the cookies. So now my brother, my brother's grown probably every cookie that you can imagine. My my brother likes to play the strain game. Um, he loves that um, because that's what we'll say his clientele. That's what they demand of him, um, and you know he's that's kind of his business is is taking care of what they want, what what everybody wants, and he's really good. He does it like no other, um, and that's what he does. And I'm polar opposite of that. It sounds like you have that more kind of organic artistic approach, where you know, where it's like it flows from me, and it's not. I don't want it to be influenced or like commissioned or yeah, anyway. So, <clears throat> kind of um, a little left field of what we were just talking about. Who is a breeder who you would want to do a collaboration with? And if you, if there isn't any, or maybe just as a follow-up, who's someone who maybe look up to is not the right word, but, you know, who's someone where, as a breeder, who's currently around, you look at their work and you're like, yeah, man, like, you're doing the right thing. Like, everything you're doing, I completely agree with that. Um, for me, there's only one name. That truly stands out. That um, and I hate to say, but I think um, because he's become so in demand that and, and he's done so well at it. I think it's even kind of changing his his attitude towards things. I don't know if the attitude is the proper term, but it's it's kind of changing the way he views things a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 kind of changing the the type of person that he is and I'm, I'm 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 i don't want that to sound like i'm i'm dicking him i that i'm i'm not whatsoever because he's 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 just one of the, the the best people that you will ever meet um he's just a really down-to-earth 
sensible, understanding, um, committed guy, uh, is Bodhi. Yeah. Um, Bodhi is a hell of a guy. I knew um, you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's, uh, he's in it for the right reasons. Uh, he's committed to his work. Um, and he's an artist. He, um, he's passionate and, um, he has a keen understanding, uh, as well as an eye for what he's looking for and what he's doing. And, uh, uh, the guy is a master and, um, he is, uh, you know, he's well known and, um, it, that doesn't, uh, doesn't really affect him. I, I think he's so well known now that maybe it's, it's starting to kind of alter it a little bit, you know, like I was saying, and I think yeah. again, this isn't a, a, a negative, uh, a response at all. Cause I love the guy. Um, it, I, and, and I, I, I hope to God if, if I were to, um, to become as successful as he is, that it, it wouldn't change me, you know, uh, it's something yeah. I think that's out of our hands. I don't think we can necessarily control it. I think it's a, a, a product of the environment that, that you are now in because your life will probably change. Um, you know, everybody's wanting your time and, and, you know, I mean, I, I just think that you can't help, but, but that changing you. Um, and I kind of think that's what, uh, is, is kind of taking place a little bit with Bodhi. Um, but as far as who he is and what he stands for, he's the best guy in the industry. You couldn't ask for a better person. Um, He's a kind soul. Uh, he gives. He's another one that gives as many um, as, he, as seeds as he sells, and um, you know, not just that, but even in the the the, the flower, he 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 gives there. He's uh, he's he's committed, um, and I've never heard him say a bad thing about anybody. And he's never going to be one that talks shit about anybody. Um, and to what you, you have to, uh, to really, really, um, like about Bodhi is there's so many people that are now making a name off of his work, all oh, yeah. the, the work that he's put in that he himself has busted his ass and spent so many years dedicated to, you now have people that are using that. And and not having done any of the damn legwork themselves, and they're now using that, and they're they're becoming really successful with it because Bodhi himself and and his creations are so popular that the that and that's only going to change on that end of the market. The the buyers they're going to have to be supportive of their of their favorite breeder, and they're going to have to say, wait a minute. I'm going to boycott this guy because you're making a name from somebody else's work and somebody else's name. And I'm not cool with that. I mean, if they don't have a problem and in, in most cases, Bodhi, he himself has no problem with it. So I, I don't have a problem with it per se. Um, but in many instances I do because you got some, you know, dumbass that's never done anything and he's just, happened in two years to get extremely lucky and, and put together a, a, a couple of, of phenos that he found out of 
somebody else's hard work and he's kind of now made himself into something and and it bothers me because I'm one of those guys that have put in years not not one or two I've put in years of my life into this and I, I you know I've should I've probably grown more plants in in five years than most people will grow in a lifetime and and you figure I've been doing this what feels like forever to me so I put in a lot of work and and it's not that I don't care if people use anything that they use that they that they get of mine to do whatever they want I'm I'm absolutely fine with it but when it comes time to now you're going to start using it to uh, you know create your own label and your own name and now you're profiting off of the work that uh, you know, people like Bodhi have put into it, then it pisses me off. Um, because it's a commitment by, when, you know, again, we'll use Bodhi. Um, it's a commitment by Bodhi that you're able to do this. And I mean, yeah, we live in a capitalistic, capitalistic society, and that's the name of the game, but that, that doesn't make it morally right. And, and, and yeah. you know, that's that's where I'm bothered by it, but that's the guy that, that uh, um, I do, I look up to him, um, and you know, I, I just Bodhi and I are similar in a, in a lot of ways. Um, he's passionate about his work, and uh, that's 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 how I am. And Bodhi would never say anything bad, nor would Bodhi ever come out and tell people, "Hey, don't use my work to do that." It's going to take the growers out here that are committed to this and that are passionate to not support those that are only making uh, money, you know, profits off of somebody else's hard work. It's going to take them. But the problem is, is these guys are willing to do it and they're willing to lowball, you know, and, and, and just so they can turn a profit. And, and that's what ends up happening. And, 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 you know, Bodhi already tries to be compassionate and, you know, and, and put his overhead, you know, into everything and and then his bottom line and um eh, i don't know he's just he's one of those guys that's never going to say anything and and he's put in years of of hard work and and though it is a love and a passion for him i just don't like to see things like that happen for for those that uh, that i admire and i think so highly of and and a lot of people are doing that with with his work right now yeah, I totally agree. And it's sad to see that, you know, like, I think it's like one out of every three breeders or something, you know, when you see their genetics, it's like, you know, one parent's a Bodhi strain, the, uh, the other's like a top dog or a TGA strain, mm-hmm. you know, like that's their whole menu. It's just all that. And it's just like, what is this, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And and as yep. you said, you know, Bodhi is such a nice guy. Um, Bodhi, sorry. Um He'd never say anything, you know, and just for everyone listening, um, we have actually been talking to him and we do have an episode coming up in the not too distant future. Um, and yeah, I agree. He's totally one of the nicest dudes you'll ever meet. Um, I don't think you could get him to say a bad word about anyone, as you said. And so this maybe kind of brings us to our last question, but maybe the most interesting one, in my opinion, for someone like you, who's got such a, you know, a depth of history. Um, to me, it's... Cannabis, I often compare it to cooking in that, you know, like you'll get these smells or these flavors and they'll, and it'll take you back, you know, like they're, they're attached to <laughs> memories. 
<laughs> and and so for someone like you who's got such a depth of memory, you know, you must have all these different flavors that can take you back to these different points in time and stuff like that. And so what I love to always ask is what's the most standout to you, you know? Like was there a flavor profile or a terpene profile that maybe isn't really around anymore or something which was just really, you know, so for example, when I read about the Clementine, you know, how, you know, it's essentially an Afghani male with that tangerine smell. Um, and and that's really unique, you know, like that that would have blown my mind back in the day. Um, you know, like what what was the standout for you? For me, it's it's always been... Uh, the citrus expressions and it's more common now um, but when we were creating um, and mind you selection is key and and then selecting you can find that pheno that you now have and it's it's amazing but it doesn't mean that it's it's going to pass on into the progeny you that you you know you hope for it but there's no way uh, maybe in the future we'll have tests that that can determine um, how DNA is going to pass and and who's going to be the dominant parent. But it's um, it's it's not that. Uh, uh, yeah, I think I can pick up uh, citrus in it. It is the sweet sweet presence of tangerine. When you close your eyes and you break the bud open or you walk into one of our rooms or one of the, the outdoor patches and you close your eyes and you take in a, a deep breath. You can almost envision yourself standing in an orange orchard and just being amazed that when you open your eyes, it's cannabis. That, that, and then the, um, well, actually there is another one too. And, and though you can, you can still pick it up like sometimes heavily in, in our in our uh, in our clementine, especially our, our our lavender clementine crosses. You can pick it up, but um, one of the things my dad was known for was his skunks, and it, the most pungent. I just got sprayed in the face by a skunk, a uh, uh, dirt profile that you can imagine, and when like. Well, I think it was my brother and I that were just talking about it. Uh, Dad's skunks were so rich, so full, so complex. It was uh, it was like being sprayed in the face with a skunk. And <laughs> I think we might have been the only only kids uh, at the time uh, if we were you know riding around and we'd come across a fresh roadkill of, uh, of a skunk where everybody else is covering their face going, oh, my God. My brother and I are like, yeah, I love that <laughs> smell. I love that smell. It's so great. <laughs> well, everybody, everybody's looking at us like, that's disgusting. <laughs> I, um, I've got to congratulate you. You've unlocked the bonus question. So the, the, <laughs> the, re- the reason why I asked that was because I was digging around on some forums on the specifically the Breed Bay and I, I found a comment years and years ago and someone essentially asked you what I just asked you, you know, like what's what's your favorite? And um, and your answer was, I'm still loyal to the skunk family. Give me yeah. those nose-burning, eye-watering funk of the skunk and I'll fill my lungs yeah. further than capacity. I thought yeah, that was a great me. comment. And so the bonus question is, where's all the skunk crosses? Well, a skunk, it's... Uh 
it's almost just been so diluted. It's uh, that heavy, that uh, true it does to your eyes what onions will do is really hard to find. Um, and a lot of the stuff that, that dad was growing back then, um, you know, we still have have seeds of, but the germination, I mean, you're talking seeds from the, the late 70s, early 80s. The viability of them is, you know, 10, 20%. And then finding them, um, the selection, it's, it's, it's uh, so heavy in work that it's it's damn near impossible to spend the time and it's one of my goals um it probably should have been my first goal um you know as a tribute to my father um but i just i just i i didn't because i just felt that the the work involved and the purpose of what i was doing were at that time were were just they they were too far apart to make it a viable option um that it it's it's there it, it it can be found but the gene pool has become so muddled one of the expressions that's the hardest to find is the true roadkill skunk it is now uh one of the most highly sought after and it is one of the most uh difficult uh expressions to 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 be able to to find in plants and one of my goals is to someday to find the classic roadkill skunk. Um, and like I said, my, my father was responsible for, for some patches that you could, if you were in a certain part of the, of the valley and if the wind was just right, you could literally be a mile or two miles away and you could smell fresh skunk. And that was always the biggest influence for me. Um, I grew up loving that smell. I, I don't. I, I hope people don't judge me for what I'm about to say. And I thought about it, and I'm going to go ahead and say it. But the first experience that I had ever puffing on a joint was actually uh, a non-lit joint that um, my dad was. My dad was uh, so happy about um, that he looked at me, turned away, and was explaining it to me the profile and and the natural oil of it and why it smelled the way it did and 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 why our uh our olfactory picks it up the way it does and understands it the way it does um and he looked at me again and he goes here dry hit this just don't tell your mom (laughs) (laughs) and i i put it to my lips and i did and it was it was an experience I'll take to my grave. And I think I was, um, nine, nine years old, I want to say. And, um, it kind of tears me up a little bit, but, uh, I, I did it. And, uh, it, uh, to this day, I've not been able to experience that, um, again. And it was his prized skunks and, um, uh, it just was a, yeah, it was, an, yeah, it was, it was amazing. And even just talking about it now, it flashes the memory so vividly in my mind. And even the smell, the smell was, the taste was so strong and so inherent into the bud. I could smell it as I was tasting it almost as if 
my senses were all working together and my dad was trying to explain that to me. And, uh, I was so proud that day, just like my dad just shared a dry hit with me, you know, <laughs> and it just was an amazing moment in my life. And my dad passed away when he was 58. So I didn't get to experience, uh, you know, a lot of the things that I had planned on as, as he grew older and sharing the things that I, that I would have loved to share with him. But it's that skunk. It's dad's eye-watering, nose-tickling, uh, throat-tingling skunk. And uh, to this day, that's, that's my favorite. It's that one that you know. I mean, you know before it comes out of the bag what it is. You know if your buddy's bringing it over before he comes into the house what he's got. Um, it's that. And uh, that it's was incredible. the experience that, uh, that comes back to my mind. That was, you know, I'd been around it my whole life. But that was the first time that my dad knew, anyway, that I had experienced, uh, uh, you know, the dry hit. And the fact that it got to be with my dad was, uh, it's a moment that I'll, that I'll cherish. I'll cherish it forever. Yeah, for sure. Well... That brings us to the end of it. Uh, was there any comments or shout-outs you wanted to make? I'm just going to make a quick shout-out to uh, our mutual friend, Gerald, for uh, lining this interview up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That guy is, is one of the most sincere guys I've talked with online. He's just a, such a, a great guy, so upbeat. And uh, yeah. I, I obviously, I don't personally know him, but, uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I would like to thank him as well for, for getting this put together because um, – that's awesome. This is this is this has been a, a real fun experience. Like I said, I've never done uh, anything like this before, um, I, and I was nervous. I was I was pretty nervous, um, but uh, your interview has been uh, just so awesome, so so great. Um, from the very first question uh, that you asked, I just kind of sat back in the chair and was like, "Dude, this is going to be easy. This guy's made this really really easy." Um, so yeah, thank him and. I would. There's um, uh, there's two guys that I that I would. Um, one is just kind of a, a newer buddy of mine. He goes by the name of Doctor Get Right, and when he listens to this, he'll know who he is. Hell of a guy. Um, he's just one of those guys that you don't find. And him and I have quickly become friends that I've adopted into my into my circle. And uh, uh, the the other one, um, actually, there is there's 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 two more. It's my wife. Yeah. Uh, yeah, go she's she's the most special person that I've ever met, and she makes me uh, a better person. She makes me the person that I am. And then my brother, smelling mad. Um, the guy is one of the most uh, funny people you ever meet. I uh, can do anything for anybody, and I love him to death. And those 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 are my those are my two right there. Great. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to sit down with us. And um, I personally think that everyone should be keeping their eyes out for the uh, the Purple Jackie Cube project because it sounds like it's going to be a game changer for especially Purple Seed Game. I mean, you already it, do that, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. It should be uh, – we're, we're hoping to finish testing and, and have it out around, uh, around February. And, hey, you're an incredible person, man. Just by this interview um, – you just you just seem like you've got a great personality, and uh, I thank you for um, giving me this opportunity and uh, making this so easy. Um, uh, it's a it's been a pleasure it's been a pleasure meeting you, and uh, maybe someday our paths will cross and we'll get to 
to share a toke. Thank you so much to the ever so humble and kind Mad Farmer. Also a big shout out to his wife. 420 Australia. Mad Farmer Genetics. Forever. <laughs>